After many years, Nintendo finally worked up the courage for a new Super Mario Bros. movie. It's colourful and packed with references for hardcore fans, so let's see if it earns that extra life. Welcome everyone to the Collector's Cut, I am Peter and joining me as always is David. It's on like Donkey Kong. Yes, it is. Welcome. This is a movie podcast. We are in video game movie adaptation season. And the reason why we did this season, of course, well, it was a vote, but one of the options in the vote <laughs> was this. And the reason why it was an option was because we have a new Super Mario Brothers animated movie out, which is what we're going to talk about today. We will, of course, start spoiler free, as we always do. And we'll give you a warning before we go into spoilers. But we'll talk about our expectations, um, our, our history with the franchise, and because of the way the recording's lined up, you're getting this review, and then next week we're going to be reviewing the 1993 live-action Super Mario yes. Brothers movie. So, mm-hmm. you know, we'll, we're probably going to spoil a few things we think about that, just because we're actually going to compare a few things, I imagine, as we're oh, talking yeah. about this. Absolutely. But that is uh, what's on the schedule for next week, so you can look forward to our thoughts on that. Uh, but this, of course, is the Illumination uh, film uh, worth, with Nintendo, of course, that uh, is doing all sorts of gangbusters at the box office. They made oodles of money. Yep. Babe, I mean, if this doesn't get Nintendo into the turning all of their IPs into movies, I don't think anything will. I expect you'll get a, a Zelda announcement at some point in the next couple of years based yeah. on this. Uh, certainly a sequel to this is probably going to be announced by the end of the month. <laughs> no doubt. I'm surprised it's not already there. Yeah, it, it, it's it's making lots of money. So, yeah, we'll get into everything. Uh, but I guess the first thing to just establish here is our attachment to the IP. Like, how much we <clears throat> care about Mario before we go and see this movie. And, mm-hmm. and since we've already recorded our 1993 movie review, I happen to know where we stand on this. But David, what is your history yes. with Super Mario Brothers? See, a lot of people, they they recently have gotten into Nintendo, what with the Switch during lockdown and all that. It managed to be a big... It's a, I'm pretty sure it's like the biggest selling console right now in this generation, if I'm not incorrect on that. Well, but, um, Nintendo are kind of like weird and they don't line up with the other consoles so they're yeah they're in their own generation but that's fair yeah but see for me i was born in nintendo molded by it <laughs> i didn't see a playstation until i was already a man and by then it was nothing but confusing so i'm a nintendo kid at heart i i very first video game memory i had was the original nes playing the original super mario brothers slash duck hunt so, yeah, I'm, I have a connection with the Mario franchise. Just just a wee bit. What's so weird about this to me is that you're younger than me, and I'm too young to mm. have an original Nintendo. See, but I'm poor. <laughs> so I'm poor too. I mean, admittedly, my aunt had a Super Nintendo, which I would play all the time. And then when I turned, I think, eight, I got an N64. And then from okay. there on, I just stayed up to date. Yeah. Uh, so I, I am very much the opposite in that Nintendo is not the, the 
the system that I grew up with. I had a Sega Mega Drive, a Genesis for the, the US folk listening, and then I got a PlayStation. And I've been more tied to PlayStation as a console like ecosystem basically ever since. I, you know, I, I dipped into other things. The one exception is I did have a GameCube because some Resident Evil games were coming out on that exclusively, and I was excited yep. about that. Uh, and I did have a Wii for a little while, although I sold it after I realized that I was never going to use it again because it was just a brick sitting there doing nothing. Yeah. But as a result, I don't have an attachment to most Nintendo franchises. I have never played a Zelda game. I have never played a Star Fox game. I, you know, I could keep listing all the Nintendo things that I've never touched. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have dabbled in a little Mario. I played some Mario Sunshine. I have okay. played maybe 10 minutes of the classic stuff and like, yeah, this seems fine, but it ultimately that never kept my attention. I was too used to modern games by the time I tried any of those. That's uh, so no, no, no strong attachment for me. Bizarrely, the, the most I knew about Mario was the 1993 uh, movie. So... <laughs> I would be so disappointed if I went into <laughs> Super Mario Sunshine with that being the only thing I knew. Yes, yeah, so I was like, this doesn't sound like Bob Hoskins. What is this? So, yeah. Where's the guns? I want the bombs and the explosions. So I will say this, though. So, you know, we're building up to release. The trailers mm-hmm. that came out and people seemed to be you know, excited. Nintendo fans were like, hey, this looks like it's got all the things we kind of want in a Mario movie. So on and so on. Uh, but there's a bit of bit of heat right now on the interwebs because once again the people versus the critics has come up because the reviews for mario have not been that hot you know it's a i think it's scraped up to about 57 percent on rotten tomatoes at the time mm. of recording um so you know th- that's where that stands and people who love yep. the movie have been very passionate and they hate the critics uh which is very frustrating to me but it's got nothing to do with this movie it's more just frustrating to me because they this happens every, every time there's a movie that critics don't like that that a lot of the audience do like they get this kind of like tribalism like ah they're critics they're not real people they they don't like movies like we do we can't listen to them uh and that that infuriates me because uh, there there was a moment when because i knew this conversation would happen obviously oh, yes. I, I there was a moment when i was leaving the theater where I had just sort of a crisis of who am I? Am I a critic or am I an audience member? Well, that's the beauty. You don't have to decide because yeah. it, there is no difference. Uh, there's just critics are just people who watch movies more <laughs> and yeah. probably have a higher standard because they've seen all the tricks a lot and stuff. It, it's bizarre. Nothing's a bigger red flag to me than someone saying this is for the fans. Like, I get worried about the quality of your movie okay. when someone says that. And someone said All it right. in the PR for this. But uh, I just, I wanted to address that. Before we even talk about our opinions on the movie, that I, mm-hmm. I don't like that discourse. I think it's annoying and it feels like, I don't know, a bunch of people who just can't accept that someone else doesn't like the thing they like. It doesn't matter. You like the thing, and, and it exists. Why it, would they ever complain like that on the internet, <laughs> where reason discourse is king? Like, you like your thing, it exists, and it's also making lots of money, so you're going to get more of your thing. Like, you have no reason mm-hmm. to be upset, except for the fact that the number's not high enough on Rotten Tomatoes, which, just get over it. <laughs> I mean, isn't that the same thing in the video game community, though? Of like, oh... My this game that I oh. I love so very much got a nine point five instead of a ten. It, yeah. Burn IGN to the ground. There's there's definitely the the, the toxic uh, side of things. Yes. Mm. Uh, but with all that said, uh, I guess we have to ask the question that we're here to 
ultimately answer in as long-winded a form as we possibly mm-hmm. can, which yeah. is, David, how did you mm. feel about the Super Mario Brothers movie? So I'm just going to say right now that for the thumbnail, uh, I'm going to specifically pose with a frowny face and possibly a look of disgust. And that is strictly to subvert expectations because I, I love this goddamn movie. <laughs> I I was sitting there with the stupidest grin on my face the whole time. The entire time I'm like, oh my god, it's the thing. Every musical cue they played, I was like, oh, it's I I read it. it's it's hitting all the dopamine in my brain. And I just you you said it perfectly when I when you said it is a film for the fans because there were so many tiny little things in this movie that were just completely background objects, just tiny little references, but they are what made the movie for me. I will say before we get too deep into it, this movie has some serious pacing problems. And we will explain exactly why in spoilers, mm-hmm. but there are s- serious pacing problems in this movie. But a lot of it, and I'd say probably the entire third act as a whole, I was just, I was I was five again. I was eight again. I was all the ages where I grew up playing Mario again, and it was just everything I wanted it to be. So, yeah, I guess you could say I kind of liked it. <laughs> yeah, um... So, interestingly, me going in, not having this attachment to the franchise, it's kind of mm-hmm. interesting to see where I'll land on it. Uh, and my response to the question, did I like the Super Mario Brothers movie, is that it's fine. It's, 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 it's I even go as far to say it's mid. It's a Wait, mid movie. Wait, hold on, movie. sorry. I'm not reacting properly. How dare <laughs> you? I, I mean, I... I, I guess the, the the broadest like way I can describe how I felt with this movie is that well I obviously didn't get every little reference I got a lot of them because I just know enough mm-hmm. about Mario from pop culture and enough of right. you know little things here or there that I get kind of what it's doing. I would say that this movie reminded me a lot of Ready Player One and Wreck It Ralph in that it felt more about being a list of Easter eggs and references mm-hmm. than it was a movie with a plot and like character drive and motivation to like propel its story and like tell a story instead it was just a framework for how many nods and winks can we cram into this movie that'll like please you know people who'll get the references so they can go i recognize this thing i recognize this thing and i recognize that thing and sometimes it's so rapid fire there's a point in this movie where mario's like going through uh, on the way up to like peach's castle where Mm -hmm. it hits you with so many different audio cues and so many little visual things it's referencing so many things so quickly that it's it's just too much it's too much and it's like make each one feel like they matter a bit more please i agree especially with because again i'm nearly 30 at this point i am sitting there (laughs) and there's these huge scenes with all these colors and lights and sounds and i'm just like slow it down please my eyes hurt however if I put myself in the shoes of the target audience, the nine-year-old, the 10-year-old, the 30-year-old with no self-respect, yes, I I think- But you are the 30-year-old with no self-respect. I have a little self-respect. <laughs> um, but no, I see, I see all of those things as being perfect for that audience, being perfect for the younger audience. 
And I think that's the difference between this movie and the 93 version is the 93 version had this air of all audiences, like adults can get stuff out of it too. Whereas this one feels significantly aged down. Hey, there's a lot of S&M stuff in that movie. Adults can get a lot out of that if they really want to look yeah. for it. Exactly. Um, yeah, I, I would just say, because this argument always comes up about the target audience as it suitable for them. In this case, mm -hmm. it's fans of the games, it's kids, it's that kind of thing. My counter to that, and the way I always feel when this comes up, is that mm -hmm. you can have something be functional and tell a, you know, I, I guess the example is when Pixar's at its best, right? Is you can have yeah. something that works for kids, but still tells a good story with a good moral and still, you know, still has character motivations and things like that, but still has all the cutesy stuff, still has the fun things for, for the kids and still has all those elements to it. Mm -hmm. I, I guess I'm saying is that we can have a standard where we hit good storytelling as well as hitting all the the dopamine hits for oh yeah for everyone you know i, I think you can have both yeah and no there's no there's no reason there can't be quality in children's storytelling yes. i agree uh, I, I absolutely agree that's my that's my stance uh, that said though i do have to uh make a confession at this point in the review uh oh um did you walk out halfway through <laughs> no but i did fall asleep for a while halfway through oh no <laughs> I'm actually amazed you managed to do that, considering how bright and loud everything was. There's about 15 minutes, give or take, of this movie in the middle that I did not see. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jeez. Um, I was I was painfully bored and fell asleep. Me meanwhile, <laughs> right as the second act was, like, ending, more or less, <laughs> my bladder was about to explode, but I'm like, no, I have to see this through. And I made it the whole way through Look, and then stopped at the hospital. I apologize for doing it. Honestly, if this was something we we're watching at home, I would have just went back <laughs> and watched from yeah. where, you know, where I last remembered coherently. But, it's, you know, it's in the theater. I can't do that. So I know, I know this isn't that pertinent, mm -hmm. but as long as we're talking about viewing experiences, yeah. um, we both watched this during our spring break period where all oh, the kids were off school. Yeah, there was so many how was kids. Your, how was your theater? Uh, so... I wanted to go early because I like going early. I like going to a movie and going to get lunch after, or depending, maybe lunch first and then the movie, depending on what time. Mm -hmm. But I like going early, and part of the reason for that is that it's quiet when people are at school and at work. <laughs> but obviously, the Easter holidays are on right now, or spring break for the US. And mm -hmm. I went to book tickets, and you pick your t your your seat, so you can see the seating map when you go to pick. And I right. went to the first showing, and it was like so full, and I'm like, it never mm -hmm. looks like this. I went to the second showing so full to the point where i just went to the first showing because they were, like, they were all equally packed so right uh yeah i mean the kids weren't too bad admittedly but it was you know i, I still prefer a nice quiet that's fair yeah. um for me when i bought my tickets i bought them about 36 hours in advance and i was the first person in my theater by the time that the theater <laughs> actually showed up by the time everyone was there uh it was packed it was pretty much full to brim that being said both people on either side of me, both groups, were all adults. Really? Okay. It was Yeah, it was just all adults. So I don't think I actually had that many kid kids in my theater. You were in the adult role. I guess. I mean, I'm okay with that. It was a much better viewing experience because of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't really have much to add on it. I, like, I, it was, it, it's kind of boring, though, when you see a kid's movie, because all the trailers are all for other kids' movies. <laughs> 
I don't want a tangent on it, but I do want to mention I have never been more unappealed to a Pixar movie than Elementals. Oh, I get that. What I did get, though, was a Trolls movie, which <sighs> looked terrible. I aren't... Just remind me here, aren't Trolls part of some franchise or something like that? We don't but... have to do every franchise. <laughs> hey, sound off in the comments if we should do, <laughs> do no, no, the no, no, Trolls no. franchise. No, 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 no. Uh, we will do no such thing. Uh, so, yes. Um, so, the movie, like, I think it's overstuffed with references. And, well, it's better in the sense that they're at least all relevant to Mario as opposed to something like Ready Player One, which is, let's just reference everything as much as we, we can. Yeah. It still felt so rapid fire to me that it felt like that was kind of the, the backbone instead of the story like the story should be. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, obviously, positives I will say is that it does look very good. Like, I thought the animation was great. The water looked fantastic. There was lots of moments where I went, oh, from a technological point of view, I'm seeing a lot of, like, really cutting-edge, you know, CG stuff yeah. here. I think Illumination has always gotten a bad rap just because of it has always been not i want to say the lowest common denominator but very childish movies it's always been the sort of thing that you would complain about in there's not a whole lot of upper you know messaging mm-hmm. a lot of things for adults or anything oh, like no. that which brings me to my point actually is that when the elimination mm-hmm. logo played at the start and it's got the minions in it there yeah. was there was a couple of kids in the audience that started giggling because they saw the minions, and I just wanted to die inside. I'm like, <laughs> piss off, you little shits. I mean, that's fair. I felt like dying inside as soon as the minions showed up anyway. So. <laughs> but no, it, it, I think that Illumination gets a bad rap because of that stuff. But t- like, technologically, it does a good job. Everything looks cartoonish, yet also still well-made. And I think especially for Nintendo's first outing in God knows how long, that's an important distinction to make. Yeah, they made a daring film in 1993 and it scared them off ever doing it again until Mm -hmm. now. And, you know, I I guess the other thing I would describe this film as being incredibly safe. You know, it's... Oh, yeah. It's a very... It very much fits into the current world that we're in in terms of franchises and the MCU and things like that. It Mm -hmm. It is a bankable IP with lots of references that will make its core fan base satisfied, um, at least as far as like what's included and what they're doing with those things. Um, but in terms of like just the story on its own, I do think it's just kind of, it's thrown together. It's, it's whatever works. Yeah. And I think I said before there were pacing issues and we, again, we'll get to that, but I think there's mm-hmm. also a messaging issue, like a moral issue. Not that any of the morals are bad, but all of them felt half-baked. I don't yeah. think there was a single moral in this that stood out as this is the central theme of this movie. Yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. Um, I, I think it was <laughs> what's fascinating to me is that when it started off, I was not expecting the Mario Brothers to actually be in Brooklyn in this, like the nineteen ninety three movie. Right? Yeah, and I, I damn near, I was like, is this the thing from the games that they actually come from Brooklyn because they're doing nope. this again? I was, I was, and they're they're got a van and it's breaking down. And I'm like, they're remaking the '93 movie. This is nuts. Uh, See, I just, <laughs> I, I mean, you're right, and I thought the exact same thing. But I just, I don't understand why in today's climate of movies, where people are willing to readily accept multiverses, <laughs> why they don't think we can understand just beginning in the fantastical world. Why do we always have to get teleported there? at some point yeah that said though referencing the 93 movie might have been the happiest that ever made me so. oh absolutely <laughs> so. and i mean it, it without spoiling too much in the 93 movie because it is coming out next week but yeah. like 
it goes beat for beat for a while there. Yeah, there's, there's, there's about five minutes near the start where it feels like it's just playing out the city. I'm like, is this actually following the structure? It's just that when yep. they get teleported, instead of the cyberpunk-looking world we got in that movie, it'll just be the mush- the, you know, the, the actual Mushroom Kingdom. That's the only right. difference we're going to get. And it yep. is different. There's, there's obviously other things going on. And Oh, yeah. But it, it, it definitely, for like five minutes, I'm like, this is like kind of close to that movie so far it's weird i don't understand you, you get to you get to the point where mario and luigi have to check in at their plumbing job and there's like oh so yeah. who are you it's like oh we're the mario brothers luigi mario and mario mario <laughs> yeah so okay, that's kind of nuts obviously it's full of like reference to the games i mean it's almost kind of absurd how many like mechanics from the game that they kind of oh squeezed God. into it oh, almost to the point where it started to feel not distracting but like I, do you know how like, when you're adapting something to a movie, right? And you say, oh, it's a different medium, so we have to do certain things differently. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like some things, like, are there because it's a video game and it exists as part of the gameplay that you just probably shouldn't try and adapt into yeah. the, a movie. And like, this, like, I'm fine with, like, you know, having an obstacle course that's kind of like like a level for Mario and stuff. Like, right. That's fine. That makes sense. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, But when you're actually, like, using like power-ups and you're doing things with you know that sort of stuff i i, I yeah I, I was like this is maybe going a bit too far but with how it's almost faithful to a fault as to what obviously not in plot because the first the, the classic marios as far as i know don't really have other than just you're going to save the princess and she's in a right, different castle yeah. like that's that's basically it so i get that you're kind of open to do whatever with the plot but like you're almost being too faithful to what the game is yeah, I think, I mean, without spoiling too much of anything, they specifically call the power-ups in the movie power-ups. Yeah. And I think that's the point where I started questioning, like, okay, this, you should have done something else, just in terms of when you're adapting this, making these slight changes to make it, you don't have to call the power-ups power-ups, you can just say, here, have one of these, and then that's it, you just accept that these things are around but instead calling it directly power-ups just feels like they didn't trust the audience to know that they were power-ups, despite the fact that all they do in the movie is power-up. Yeah, and I think the other... And this is such a lazy... Because I'm sure lots of critics have said this about the movie. Mm. But there are times in this where it did kind of start to feel like this is all the cutscenes of a game, but the game's just not there in between the, the, the parts to an extent. Yeah. I mean, I can see it. I mean, obviously there were a few, I don't want to say action set pieces, but there were a few of those big scenes where, you know, explosions and fighting and whatnot. So I will say that they did have gamey aspects to it, but that's the problem with Mario specifically, is that it is such in a vague plot. Like Legend of Zelda is a very plot-oriented game. You You talk to NPCs, it's basically an RPG. But Mario is so vague because it's just a platformer that you can do anything to get the plot going. And as such, when it comes to this movie, they kind of went with everything. Yeah, because with Zelda, it's, you know, it's an adventure and you go mm-hmm. through some temples or dungeons or whatever. And I can see how you could take that and structure it into a movie. When you're adapting A Last of Us, it's like, well, it's a, it's, it's a story. It's a plot heavy yeah. story that you can adapt into a narrative because mm-hmm. it already is a narrative. But with this, it's kind of like doing a Mortal Kombat movie or something like that, where you've you've only got the the core 
right thing that the characters typically do in the game and then you sort of build a story around that and that's fine i think that the parts that made me feel like it was a video game with the, the video game parts missing is stuff like here's a power up it's almost like i was in a tutorial section of a game where they're explaining mm-hmm. you take this power up to go bigger and it's like oh okay <laughs> so yeah. when, when are you going to let me loose then <laughs> to and that's, do it. that's also the other thing is that because they are so intent on throwing in all of these references that any time that we get to a reference that involves a new mechanic, for instance, at one point they bring in the go-karts. Yes. They do a whole thing of explaining, here's how this works. And they spend time basically giving you a new tutorial on it. And these are all things that go back to the pacing problem, I think, that it has at its core. Yeah, maybe some more restraint. Like, you didn't have to have everything in this first movie. And it's not everything, because obviously there's one or two things that they've clearly left out for a sequel, but... Yeah, there's still too much maybe put into it where you you could have. I I I honestly think that this was a side effect of Nintendo being so cagey with their licenses mm-hmm. and Illuminations. Just basically, if this is the only chance we get, we're gonna make it the quintessential Mario movie where it just has everything you need. Yeah, but I think the end result for me is that it felt more like a checklist than it did. Mm a movie with a with a story so yeah, that's fair and, and, I, you know i kind of stick by that yeah i mean i don't disagree with that but the difference being is that i was the target i was the fan i know all of these references they were making and they landed with me on a deep childhood level this just checked all the dopamine and nostalgia receptors in my brain without even trying which is fine, but I would say that does not make it a good movie. That makes it a good experience, I guess, for someone who's going to like feel mm. something for all those references. I guess a good comparison point would be that new Resident Evil movie that came out, uh, Welcome to Raccoon City, uh, mm. in 2021, where that movie's not good. It is a bad, bad movie. But like they sort of did the same thing with that and that they filled it with all these Easter eggs uh, that were just pandering to the fan base. And it, it kind of made me smile at times. But at the same time, I came out of it and said, that was bad, and all it was was pandering. But the previous six movies they'd made like, seemed to detest <laughs> the fan base, so it was just nice to be pandered to for you know, yeah. 90 minutes. But that that's kind of the extent. Like, I don't think it would work a second time. I think if I watched that movie a second time, I'd hate it, because I would just be left with what the movie actually is and what the actual drive of it is. Here, yeah. you know, I think this, this is better than that movie. Don't get me wrong. This is more functional, but it's... It's making me think of that a little bit because it is all these Easter eggs. It is all these, mm. here you recognize these boxes from the games. You recognize uh, this type of enemy from the game. Or oh, that music that plays when it goes down a warp pipe or the sound effect or, or this or that. It's just it's, it's just constantly that, right? Yeah. I mean, if we go back to what we said last week on Street Fighter, I was praising the movie for having these little things for the fans not not as many references mind you the that movie was far more stripped down in terms of references than this one was Mm -hmm. but it still had the character designs it still had those little moments of we know that you played the game and you are looking for this so here you go that being said street fighter did have a more focused plot i think a more well-structured story than this one but i think that it had that same sort of vibe to it as we know what you want from this movie we are aware of that and we're going to give it to you and i don't think that having that many references is detrimental to the movie 
I think that you could tell a great story and have that many references in it. I think that they just kind of went with a basic story, had a few pacing problems, but decided to keep all the references. Yeah, I mean, if it had the all the good, you know, the the fundamental, if the fundamentals were down and it still had all the references, that would be one thing. But it kind of mm-hmm. doesn't have those fundamentals down, right. and so it, it leaves me feeling like all they have is the references. And mm-hmm. I think when you're adapting something, especially something like a video game, obviously you never want to feel like you're ashamed of the thing you're adapting. And sometimes when you change too much, it can feel like that. It can feel like oh, we, we, we know better than what the game was, and you're kind of missing the point of what made it work in the first place. Let me introduce you to a woman named Alice. <laughs> she works for Umbrella, and she remembers everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so you can go in that direction. So obviously, you have to respect the source material. You always have to do that. Otherwise, what is the point? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, this is like respecting the source material, and like you're cherishing it, and treating it with this sort of kid glove mentality and we have to put all these things in. But I, I guess the other comparison I can make here at this juncture is it's all also kind of like a legacy sequel in a way. You know, one of the big things that I said about Ghostbusters Afterlife, which we've not reviewed on this show yet, maybe we will at some point, but mm-hmm. that along with a lot of modern like legacy sort of, you know, nostalgia sequels and reboots is mm-hmm. that it treats everything from the original movie with this reverence of like, we can't just have a proton pack. We have to show 20 close-ups of it turning on because the audience is all jizzing right. themselves because we're seeing a proton pack. I feel like this amount of referencing can feel like that, where it's, this is more about saying, look how cool the game is and how much we all love the game. It's more about selling the game than it is about actually functioning on its own as a work of it itself, you know? And I yeah. think I get that feeling sometimes, and that's what I get from these legacy sequels, and it's what I get when you have the love and the adoration for the thing you're adapting, but you don't necessarily have the skill and the know-how to say, this is what we should take from it and not take from it, and this is what we should do to make it a fully-fledged, functional movie on its own that will make people love the property because it was a good story, because it was a good movie with ups and downs. It makes you care about Mario's motivation by the end. It makes you want him to win at the end and beat the bad guy. Yeah, but see, that's that's where it reaches that weird disconnect for me is because none of the games have ever been about that. None of the games oh, have sure. ever been that you you care about going to rescue Peach. You don't care about going to beat Bowser. All of Mario's stuff is strictly, hey, I want to have fun in this level. I want to jump mm-hmm. around. I want to see the crazy enemies. I want to I want to see if I can like find a secret or something hidden in a cave or whatever. I. I think this movie captures that perfectly where you don't care about Mario's plot here. You don't care that he's going to do this thing. The movie gives you a half-hearted attempt at it the same way the games do. But in the end, it really is all about flash and bang of just the spectacle of being in these worlds. And I think that does more justice to what the games are in general than anything else. Mind you, I appreciate that does not make it a good movie. It also, dare I suggest that that would be the opportunity, though, with the movie is to add that to Mario. If that's what Mario was yeah. missing in the games, and given that movies are a narrative sort form of storytelling, that's what they are. That's what they're always going to be. Then, but see, I wonder. I wonder if that's Nintendo still being a bit gun shy from '93, where they were like, "Look, we had an entire thing about like." BDSM dinosaurs. <laughs> Could we maybe not do that this time? 
I mean, my argument to that is like, yeah, but there's millions of movies and most of them avoid all the things that the 93 Mario movie did. You don't have to worry that every... Is this kind of like that episode of Frasier where he's trying to learn to ride a bike and he's riding at the start of this race and no matter what, he'll just keep U-turning into this uh, like uh, post box. He just keeps hitting yeah. it no matter what. Is that what they're get- worried? They're worried that no matter who they give it to, that whoever's making the next Mario movie will always pivot into S&M dystopia. I guarantee you the Illumination writer's room, they, they wrote that first five minutes and they were like, and then there's a portal that leads to this dehydrated world. And then Nintendo kicked down the door and said, hey, the- you stop it. If they sat down at the writer's table, okay, what's the first thing we have to include? And someone said, the Koopa special pizza order. We have to have that. We need a de-evolution ray. (laughs) Um, And we need, and that's the thing is that like, I really do appreciate in this movie, the fact that the mushroom kingdom, when they got there, it was both frustrating and appreciated at the same time that Mario didn't spend half an hour just being like, what is this place? How can this exist? What's going on here? He kind of just showed up and was like, okay, guess this is what I'm doing now. And it's frustrating from a character perspective because I think he accepts it a bit too quickly, but I'm also happy that we didn't spend a long time of explaining the interdimensional, there was a comet that hit Mm. Earth, 65 million, and the evolution spread it across. It's just, no, we're here. Yeah, I mean, I'm okay with that. I mean, I do think the warp pipe and the the sewer system feels like it really easy just to go in. Like, like oh, no yeah. one else has stumbled in here. Well, I guess one person might have, but more than that, uh, and spoilers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I appreciate that as well to an extent. I think it it does sometimes feel though it's got that modern problem of being a bit too self aware that I I kind of mm-hmm. like I'm kind of sick of in movies in general. I don't need characters yeah. sort of winking and sort of like ha ha ha. Like there's a just there's one minor joke relatively early which I'll, I'll i'll bring up here where there's a joke about uh maybe the princess is in another castle and it kind of rubbed mm. me the wrong way because it felt a little bit wang wang yeah we're making a little joke about it because that's something that you know is from the old game yeah and it's almost like a little just a little too meta and on the nose where i'm just kind of like i just wish you were more earnest i, I wish you know this was more about the yeah, magic of being mario rather than the meta sense of you love the Mario games, so we have to, you know, cram in a Mario Kart section. We have to cram in, a, you know, the Donkey Kong stuff. We have to cram in oh, yeah. and all these don't, other things. Don't get me wrong. That goes back to the pacing issue of, I think that th- having these references was okay, but the fact that they made up whole sections of the movie where you're like, no, here's the part where we're on Rainbow Road. It's like, okay, maybe just... That could have been a sequel. That could have just been a different thing. You yeah, didn't I have mean, to make the, that a whole thing here. The sequel could literally have been like a, a racing tournament. You could have literally have structured yeah. an entire sequel. Mario 2 is the Mario Kart movie. I mean, I already know what the sequel's going to be, just based off of the references they made in this movie, but mm-hmm. that's a spoiler, so we'll I mean, get I, I didn't get that, but you can tell yeah. me later, then spoilers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, suppose, I suppose one of the things we should talk about before we go into spoilers though is just talk about the, the, the voice mm-hmm. actors and all that you know stuff uh, that yeah. people will have opinions on. Obviously, we have Chris Pratt as Mario. Mm-hmm. Uh, he honestly felt fine. That's the thing. Very early on in this movie, they do a joke about the Mario voices mm-hmm. with Mario and Luigi putting in this high-pitched Italian accent, and then they immediately drop it. And... It didn't feel like they were making fun of the voices. It made it feel earnest in the way that you were asking for before, where they were like, yeah, no, we, 
you know, we have the thing, here it is, just for the fans, but, like, we're not going to keep that up for the whole movie. Yeah, because, let's be honest, that high-pitched Mario voice for a whole movie would probably get quite irritating. There's a reason he's a mostly silent protagonist in the games. Uh, So, yeah, I get that. Uh, You get Anya Taylor-Joy as Princess Peach, who... Um, I could hear her voice, the, you know, because sometimes when I see an yeah. animated thing, I can't necessarily tell the actor who it is. Um, with Anya Taylor-Joy, I could hear her the entire time. And to the same extent, Jack Black, I think he blended into just being Bowser at first, but once he got a bit more animated, pardon the word, <laughs> it, it was like, oh, that's Jack Black. There's definitely Jack Black coming through in this. But here's the, here's the thing. I think that this wasn't supposed to be Bowser in the way that, you know, oh, he's an evil king that is just purely megalomaniacal. It was supposed to be the sort of jokey villain. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I think that worked perfectly with the way Jack Black played him. I think that it folded in all, like, the Jack Black-isms to make it just a whole new thing. Yes. Plus, the, I mean, do you think they made the choice to have Bowser sing because they cast Jack Black? Or was that, did they go looking for a Jack Black type because they wanted Bowser to sing? What I actually think happened was they, once they got Jack Black, like, locked down, they said, hey, maybe we should put in a musical number. Mm -hmm. What I hope happened is that Jack Black just started singing in the booth one day, and they animated (laughs) a whole thing around it. Yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, Charlie Day's Luigi, which... I thought he was great. I thought he did a great job in that role. Yeah, no, he's good. I actually didn't know he was playing Luigi in advance. It was kind of... A, I recognized his voice and went, is that Charlie mm-hmm. Day? Uh, it sounded like Charlie Day, but somehow it just still perfectly works for Luigi as well. Yeah, that's fair. And that's most of the big... Uh, I mean, Keegan-Michael Key is uh, mm-hmm. Toad. Uh, he did a good out. job, and I couldn't tell it was him. Yeah. Uh, Seth Rogen is Donkey Kong. You could hear Seth Rogen the entire time, I could I hear say. Seth Rogen, but at the same time... I don't have a voice for Donkey Kong in my head. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, so any voice was still going to work. Yeah, I mean, likewise, I mean, I don't really have a voice associated with most of these characters, so it didn't mm-hmm. necessarily bother me much uh, that, you know, the, what the voices were. Like, uh, for me, it was just a case of, like, do, do they fit well? Do they bounce off each other? Uh, yeah. You know, are they irritating? And for the most part, no. I, I think that, I think it sounded fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then speaking on sound, um, A, the score, and B, the soundtrack. For the score, I mean, it was all just video game songs and sound effects yeah, and whatever. Yeah, Brian Tyler, who I think did the, the score, basically just took mm-hmm. the, the classic soundtrack tracks and kind of did his own versions and weaved them yep. in and whatnot. Um, I will actually put a critique, though, is I think the, uh, the songs that they put in, uh, okay, the the soundtrack itself. Yeah, I think they went a bit too heavy in that. It, when the first one, and to be fair, I did see a critique before I saw the movie that it was a bit too heavy on source music, and it's very early in the film where like a rock song or whatever kicks in uh, yeah. when something's kicking off, and I, I sort of felt like, yeah, this feels a little bit uh, like it was the same feeling I got because I, I, I'm comparing like you know some of the tone to like modern movies and things that I'm getting really bored of in modern movies. And this isn't a movie per se, but it's part of the MCU, so I think it still kind of applies. Is uh, yeah. There's a scene in Loki where all mm-hmm. of a sudden Holding Out for Hero starts playing, and it felt really forced. And I remember just rolling my eyes, like, why are you trying to make this cool moment happen with this song? Like, I've heard this in too many movies now. And I think yeah. I had, a, 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 you know, not quite as extreme, but I had like a similar feeling when the first song kicked in in this where I'm like, 
okay <laughs> I, I don't know it feels like you're trying yeah. really hard with this I, i'm not really feeling it but go I think on I, I think i was okay with like the first song or two but there was definitely that same point where um i mean i'm not gonna say when it happens but the mm. um take on me by aha starts playing mm, yeah and i'm like all right this one you just this entire sequence could have been completely cut but for some reason you just had to have it and i don't I don't quite feel like the music did anything to save that moment. I will say all of the m songs, barring one, strangely enough, were specifically picked to be mid-80s, which, of course, was when Mario first came out in 85. Okay. So I I feel like that was intentional at the very least, that they picked specifically those songs rather than having, like, whatever the latest Kanye West song or whatever playing for no reason. Yeah. Was it actually set in that time period? Because uh I don't think there was anything that explicitly said no, but I also don't think it was supposed to be anything but timeless. I think yeah, it was just supposed to fair. be a generic now-ish. Because the only thing that really points to a time is that Mario does play a, a Nintendo in right. one moment. And I guess and I, I didn't take that as a time thing, I just took that as a oh that's you know, hey he's playing a uh, not a super just a regular Nintendo. Yep. And I, but now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, you know what? It's not like I saw anyone using like a, like a mobile phone at any point. So maybe, right. yes. Oh, wait, no. Luigi did have one at oh, the very beginning. Oh, he did. Yeah, he had a smartphone. You're right. So yeah, I, I yeah. guess it is. Okay, it's set present day basically then. So Mario was just like a hipster then. He likes, yeah. He likes old video games. He was born in, yeah, I mean, he, he, in the movie, what age would you say he is? Because I actually got into this debate. I think that he is at least 30s. It's, you know, it's so weird because the character's story about what, like, you know, his parents not approving of what he's doing, right. and he's trying to, like, prove himself, it feels like someone who's 20 from what his story is, but mm -hmm. because he's this short man with a mustache, like, I get 40 <laughs> from everything right. else. Which I just evened out into the 30s in general, yeah. but, but yeah, yeah. but then he's got the athleticism of, like, a 14-year-old. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, nah, he's, he's a little spider monkey just jumping around. Yeah, he's all over the place, is what, what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. But yeah, no. no, I think I think that that works for you know, I I would put it as someone who is nostalgic for the '80s, and that makes sense to me as to why he has all that stuff in his room. Okay, okay, uh, yeah, I, I think especially since like you say, there's a lot of music from the games that's very iconic that they use a mm -hmm. lot of in the movie, but sometimes they're cycling through some of them so quick that you get like two bars of a track and then it moves on because oh, yeah. they're just rushing through things. And I almost wonder, like, would it feel nicer just to rely entirely on music from the games ra rather than having rock songs, having Take On Me or whatever? There was there was one, well, as this is in the trailer, so it's not really a spoiler, but they have the whole kart racing thing on Rainbow Road. Mm -hmm. And I played a lot of Mario Kart. I know my Rainbow Roads. They didn't use the theme for rainbow road while on rainbow road and that's the that is the only point where i was actually disappointed with the score not the soundtrack but the score mm. in that they didn't take full advantage of what was already presented to them mind you i don't think they played a soundtrack song there i think it was just kind of a generic like low-key sort of i think it was just yeah, movie score action was happening and there was turmoil yeah. so that yeah it was just like the, the new stuff which is fine obviously you have to yeah. have some new music as well but but I do um, think there would probably be a fan cut of this movie that removed all of the soundtrack stuff and tried to replace it with 
actual score from the video games, and I, I'd be interested to see how it works. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Mm. So, um, as far as anything else spoiler-free goes, I don't have much to really add. Uh, no, I'm I'm basically good too. I can't think of anything else. Yeah. So yeah, spoilers then for the Super Mario Brothers movie. You have been warned. Uh, we will. They get beat into Bowser. It. They do indeed beat Bowser by the end. That is true. Uh, That's really a spoiler. Yeah, yeah. Well, the opening's designed to like set him up as the the big bad because he comes mm. and takes the penguins land away from them. Yep. Something. Are these from something? These penguins. Yes. Don't ask me specifically, but yes. Is it a Mario game or is it just something else? Nintendo. I'm sure it's a Mario game. There's, a, there's. Okay. A, here's the thing. It's always supposed to be. There's a bunch of different types of worlds. You got like desert world. You got snowy world. You got <clears throat> Bowser's Land. You got Mushroom Kingdom. They're just the snowy world residents. Okay. Okay. Uh, but that just sets up Bowser, uh, mm -hmm. who burns up. He spe he specifically is stealing a power star from them. Yes. In order to, uh get enough power to go and invade the Mushroom Kingdom. Which, there's only one of them in the whole movie. Uh, I understand that in, like, Super Mario 64, you collect, like, 100 of the bloody things, but... 120, yep. <laughs> yeah, so... But, yeah, this is like, this, this, this thing of great importance and power, and that's what you want, so he's here for that. Yep. Uh, which, you know, and then there's some jokes here where the penguins fight back, and it's ineffective, uh, to yeah. say the least. Just throwing snowballs at it and i will say they do a good job in these in pretty much every scene they're involved in of selling the i don't want to say menace but selling the effectiveness of bowser's army like they do a good job in this intro scene of having all these you know they're just turtles they're not actually menacing but they do a good job of having them have this structure to them and this like force to them that when they come down and attack <laughs> these penguins you can tell why they are actually managing to succeed sometimes. Yeah, that's, uh, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I give it that much thought, but uh, fair enough. I don't know. It's just a thing for me of like, you know, in the video games, you see all the Koopas and Goombas walking around, you just step on them and they're not really a problem ever. It's only in this movie where I'm like, okay, no, I get it. I understand why they might actually be threatening. Hmm. Uh, so we go to the Mario Brothers in Brooklyn, and they're watching mm -hmm. their their commercial that they've spent all their money on, and their plumbing business. Uh, the Super Mario Brothers. The Super Mario Brothers, and they've, they've got the Italian accents and voices, and mm -hmm. that you know. But then obviously the real voices are are their actors, and like they you know, they say, oh, is it too much? Nah, maybe. Uh, but you see that there's a, uh, oh, what was the, was it the Fratellis? Was the evil plumber plumber? No, so. I'll jump in real quick though. Uh, when they say it's too much, they turn to a like little Italian man who's playing an arcade game, and that man is credited as Giuseppe, but it is voiced by Charles Martinet, who is the actual Mario voice. Yeah. Also, I, I assumed games. he was also what Mario looked like in Donkey Kong, like the original Mario. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. He's on, on what, the side of the. I thought that's what the reference was. No, no. Mm -hmm. uh, so in Mario Nettie Three, there's like the evil plumbers, the, the Fratellis, or something like that. Yeah, I right? can't remember what it was, but yeah. I couldn't help but think of this big guy who makes fun of them as basically being this movie's version of them. More or less. Um, he's based off of a video game called Wrecking Crew, which was a very early ah. Mario appearance, even before Super Mario Brothers. But uh, yeah, his name is Spike in this. 
Yeah, but uh, they do a whole like Ghostbusters thing where they finally get a call and Blue like, "We got one!" And I could hear I could hear Janine and Ghostbusters like ringing the bell. We got <laughs> one, and their van breaks down, and I just started. I, that was the moment where I went, "Oh, this is very the ninety three movie." Yeah, like same. Is, that's the exact moment. Is Mario going to get a, a bottle of water and <laughs> try and? <laughs> and then no. we see a young archaeology student yeah, walking yeah. across the street. Yeah. Um. So. I will say one of the things that I did like and what I thought was a smarter way to like establish like Mario's skills was this running to the job. Effectively, mm-hmm. the city street became a Mario level where he's like jumping yep. over construction stuff and he ends up sliding down a pole at the end. I thought, okay, that was a neat way to show him doing the, the, the side-scrolling Mario jumping level in like a modern, like this is just him and his world and he's already kind of got these skills. That made sense to me. That was like a neat yeah. way of showing that I thought that was a smart choice. In a, mm-hmm. in a movie where I, I, I thought they took a lot of the, just the easy, obvious things, I thought this was a smarter, fun way of, of showing something. Yeah. You know? I wholeheartedly yeah. agree. I do think that it's kind of undermined by the later obstacle course scene, but... Yeah, but I, I like this more than the obstacle course scene. Yeah, that's entirely fair. And this is just one of those tiny little references where it's furthering the plot, but also is a reference yeah this, this is setting up the character skills and what he's good at and if there's one thing that mario in a mario movie has to be able to do is effectively parkour he has to be yeah. able to jump and slide he's jump man he yeah. has to jump exactly so that makes sense but they go to this plumbing job and yeah, it's a whole running like comic gag where the dog doesn't like them and is coming after them which that part drove me bonkers <laughs> It, much like the Fratellis or whatever, where it's just kind of a thing while they're in the real world and then we completely forget about it. This dog is such a menacing creature for the one scene he's in. And then it's like, all right, well, moving on. You just see him briefly at the end. True. He, he but, gives a little nod to say that even he respects the Mario Brothers at the end. But like this, if there's one thing where I would have wanted it to be a reference to something, it's this dog because this came out of nowhere. So what's funny for me though, not caring about the references, as I actually enjoyed this probably more than most of the rest of the movie because okay. it was just hijinks with Mario and Luigi being terrible plumbers. It was slapstick comedy where you know the the water starts coming out of all the pipes and they're trying to block mm-hmm. it and stop it. Mario's putting his foot down on the tiles to try and stop things. In fairness, they're great plumbers. They just kind of got their hands full there. they were sabotaged by an evil dog yeah i mean that's yes. that's what happened here but I, I i thought this was like this set me up for like you know what see if this movie was like an 80 minute comedy about them trying to get their plumbing business like going i'd be like probably way more into it <laughs> you really you really just want everything to be ghostbusters that's no, kind of all it is <laughs> not at all i i just like the movie set me up for for this uh, say i believe you was a scared cat which obviously is you know the one characteristic that Luigi kind of has, yep. uh, which is fine. I've always liked Luigi more than Mario, though, for whatever reason. Uh, for I don't know why. Oh, that's fine. But it's just, yeah. it's just my preference. He's, he has some good traits to him. I don't know. It's something about the... the... I think there's just something about when a character's meant to be the main one, and then there's one who's more the sidekick. Like, mm-hmm. sometimes I just gravitate towards the other one, because I'm like, how dare you tell me I should like Mario more than Luigi? Yeah, I mean, it is also a thing of Mario is supposed to represent the player, so he almost cannot have any defining characteristics mm. to personality, whereas Luigi's able to get a little bit of extra because he's not the focus. Maybe I just like the color green more than red. Uh, maybe yeah, that's fair. It could be that simple. I don't know. My favorite color is blue, so I've really been left out in the cold. 
Oh, well, they have to introduce the, the sister, the Mario sister at some point. There you go. Who's got a blue outfit. Perfect. There you go. Uh, so, yeah, the, Mario's family looks down on him, thinks he's mm -hmm. made a huge mistake. So the Mario's family... Yeah. Like, this is fresh. <laughs> this isn't from any video games. This isn't from even the 93 movie. This no? is just Mario has a family. A mom, a dad, two uncles, and a grandpa. Oh, yeah. That's confused me, because obviously my knowledge of Mario is that Mario was Luigi's brother, mother, and father. Mm -hmm. And he raised Luigi, so this was very weird to me. There's a yeah. Mario Sr. with an even bigger mustache. Yeah. No, I have no <laughs> idea who these people were. The entire time they were having dinner, I was like, Mario, you've walked into some stranger's home. You don't know these people. Stop, stop answering to them. Yeah. But he's feeling down. He's sad because they don't respect what he does and you know he should have kept his his stable job instead of starting this this new thing uh and that's when he sees on the news there's a plumbing crisis on the downtown streets of brooklyn uh yep. the streets flooded and they're not handling it and mara's like we can save the day we can put our name in the map by being the ones who fix this so he grabs luigi and mm -hmm. they head down i do want to say that during this scene and the parent scene is where we get the setup to what i would consider to be the competing messages of the movie Okay, go on. Which, the first message is that Mario doesn't know when to quit. Which his father uses as a negative of saying, like, oh, you started this new job, but it's not working out. You should just quit. But Mario wants to try to stick with it. And then the other one is him and Luigi being an inseparable duo. And that Mario specifically says that nothing bad will ever happen when they're together. So... Those two, I feel like, are competing for primary theme, but neither of them really gets the focus needed to make them the primary themes. Yeah, I think that's fair. I would say that the Luigi is like, you know, we're better together thing. Uh, I think ultimately is the one that wins out a little bit just because it has the big moment in the climax where right. Luigi kind of helps him and saves him. And overcome. If anything, Luigi has a better arc because he overcomes his fear to help his brother. Yeah. <laughs> So. Yeah, absolutely. But I think that's a, the issue with the movie, though, is because as we'll get to, Luigi is away from Mario the entire time. Yeah. And is not able to really buckle down on the better well, together thing. Joe, what's so weird is that they made him the damsel. And I think this was a conscious choice. Is that oh, was absolutely. Like, they went into this movie and they said, look, it, we can't just make Princess Peach be the damsel who needs to be rescued because... You know, for all the obvious reasons, right? It's like, this is the mm -hmm. one female main character in the movie and we're going to make her a damsel. That's like... And credit to them, they wanted to do better than that, which they do. Mm -hmm. Um, But in a weird way, they just kind of swapped it. So oh, Luigi's the damsel who needs to be saved for yeah, most of the movie. pretty much. Uh, so, which... It's not problematic. It's just not very satisfying or exciting. Yeah, I mean, the entire Luigi subplot of the movie kind of feels like it's forgotten by the time we get even halfway through the second act it just is oh yeah by the way save your brother i guess well this is the thing i thought there was going to be more fun stuff because see when they do get separated mario lands you know they go to the warp pipes mario mm. lands in the mushroom kingdom luigi lands and wherever bowser's place is yeah bowser's land right? and he's going through the spooky forest and i'm like oh they're doing luigi's mansion stuff they're doing like right. i'm scared of ghosts and sh i thought oh maybe this will be his subplot is that he's going to have to get over his fear by going through a lot of spooky stuff and whatever mm. but then he gets captured like you know a couple of scenes into that and it's just him being you know interrogated and then put in a cage like you know that's yeah. kind of it i thought they were going to 
play more fun with him like and that could almost be like a running thing in sequels as well as luigi despite the fact that he's the scaredy cat always ends up in the spooky place or the spooky mm-hmm. situation that could be a funny running gag if they wanted to oh, yeah. roll with that i think the better plot for luigi in this movie because he's in the spooky place and then he's brought to bowser and then is immediately put into a cage i think the better plot for this movie would be luigi is discovered to exist by bowser but bowser doesn't immediately get him it's just sort of the thing where you know he has people on the way to get luigi or whatever Mm. and luigi keeps on somehow managing to fight them off just through either him actually overcoming his fears or sheer dumb luck and hijinks i i think dumb luck and hijinks would be what you know the idea that he's he's making dumb choices but because he like steps in something that launches something else into a tree and falls in someone's mm-hmm. you know he just kind of like is just extremely lucky and keeps getting away yeah uh, I, I yeah i could see that i could see that uh, so and then the, you could you could still have him captured for our third act but yeah i think it would give him more to do in the movie yeah because i mean from Mario's perspective, he doesn't know he's captured. He just knows that where he is is dangerous. So mm-hmm. you can set it up that Luigi is kind of dodging being captured, but it's kind of like inevitable that he will be captured. That would probably give him more exciting, interesting things to do. Yeah. Uh, and I suppose part of it is they want to keep the movie down to like 90 minutes, but I don't think yeah. going to an hour 40 would a. <laughs> That's as soon things. as I walked out, I, I turned to my girlfriend and I said, that movie could have benefited from an extra 15 minutes yeah. so much. Yeah, it wouldn't have felt super... Because this is the funny thing, is that... So, I fell asleep after the obstacle course part. So, what I effectively okay. missed was... And I looked up, I read like a, a description of the so events, just, okay. just to, so, so I knew what I was missing. And I, I kind of knew what most of it was anyway from context, but I missed a heart-to-heart with Peach, where she talks about how she might have ended up here, mm-hmm. right? And I missed the donkey kong stuff where he goes and fights donkey kong i can't imagine you slept through that right that was so big and loud <laughs> i can't i don't all right i was i was uh, i think i woke up briefly for like a second and saw him in the cat suit and then fo- fell back asleep <laughs> <laughs> right yeah that's fair i'll give you that so that's that's what's but i was awake for all the cart stuff so you know okay i, I don't know how long that was i think it couldn't have been more than 20 minutes because i I think I, I, ch- I don't know. Yeah, Kong stuff lasted a while. It was I mean, yeah, sleep for a bit there. Maybe that fight lasted a long time, but like when I checked where it was, because I checked what time it was at, like mm-hmm. you know, to see how far I was in. Probably not long before I went out. I was like, I was like forty minutes in, yeah, and I definitely saw a good thirty minutes once I woke up. So like, you know, All I right. don't think it could have been That's much fair. more than that. No, it was basically just the first half of the second act. Yeah. So it's um. Just for context, in terms of what I what I missed, right, and what well, did I get? Well, going back, yeah. So Mario arrives in the Mushroom Kingdom. They get, well, I guess when they're fixing Brooklyn's plumbing crisis, they try to fix it and fail, and then stumble down into this deep, deep, deep underground pipe system. Yes. And then they go. They end up stumbling, and I I do love the one little reference here is that they the level that they're on is level 1-2, which in the original Mario game is the first underground level. Just a tiny little reference. Loved it. Uh, but they go down and they stumble across this green pipe that has some sort of magical interdimensional blah, 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 and sucks them through. And they go into this weird cloud dimension, I guess, where they 
briefly manage to connect with each other and Mario's like, don't worry, we're together. Mario Brothers are inseparable. And then they separate and Luigi goes to Bowser Land and Mario goes to Mushroom Kingdom. And at this point is the point where Mario, I think, I think he might have thought he was actually like dead at this point. <laughs> and he was just accepting the things it's in front of him. It's an existential crisis, like, yeah, of yeah. Uh, like him getting over his, his death, yeah. Because he, he enters, he exits through the pipe. He's immediately greeted by Toad, who is just like, hey, all right, come with me. And Mario's like, sure, why not? Let's let's do that. By the way, have you seen my brother? And Toad just tells him, oh, your brother, did he go to the Darklands? He's probably in huge trouble. We got to go talk <laughs> to the princess. I will say, though, I did appreciate that. It's that they were trying to make Mario relatable to me, even though it's just set up for a dumb joke, is they mm -hmm. made Mario hate mushrooms, <laughs> which yeah. I also hate mushrooms, so I did get a, a slight kick out of that. But, uh, That's fair. Yeah. So, yeah, they pass by, like, 50 Easter eggs on the way to the castle as they're just going up past all the different... 50's lowballing it. Dear <laughs> Lord, that entire city. Yeah, they're just passing things, and they've got platforms and blah, blah, blah. And they get up to Peach, and you know we find out Peach wants to get Donkey Kong and the the, the Kong army like mm -hmm. on site to, to defend the castle against Bowser. That's our plan, which yeah. sets up where they're going in the middle. And I think the reason why I was talking about what, where I kind of dozed off is because I kind of felt like yes, I missed a chunk, obviously, mm -hmm. but it does kind of feel like all I really missed was going to get Kong. Right, that was really all I I missed from a plot perspective. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. All of these, the story itself is so light and so frankly predictable that mm -hmm. if you wake up and you see the results of it yeah you can piece together how we got from a to b yeah pretty consistently you know i remember you know jack black was singing like you know they were doing like the bowser song where he's like yeah. i'm going to marry peach yeah that that's the thing they do this whole bit where mar where bowser's going on this megalomaniacal thing uh kamek his advisor tells him hey uh there's a there's a guy who showed up He's a plumber. He's got a mustache. And Bowser seems really, really insecure that another dude <laughs> is going to be up next to Peach it, for an extended period of time. Yeah, he's not worried about any of these uh, toad-looking MFers, but he's worried about the mustache Italian yeah. plumber. Yeah, another human. It's an issue. <laughs> so at that point, we that's where it starts really boiling down Bowser. Because all we've seen up to this point is menace and actual evil. But then he immediately turns to be just Jack Black, where he's on the piano singing songs to Peach. And if you haven't heard the Peach song yet and don't intend to watch the movie, look it up. Just go find it. It's <laughs> it's perfect in the way that it's presented. Yeah, so uh, Peach, Mario wants to go with, right? Wants to go mm -hmm. get his brother. And Peach is like, okay, but you have to prove yourself to me, right? You have to right. prove that you can keep up with me. And she like, you know, hits a but she's a box i can't remember but uh, no it's yeah, was, the power up power up yeah and mm. the obstacle course like forms and it's basically mm. your classic level one mario style looking objects you've got the the plants the piranha things you've got yep. you know, the the various different things and it's like okay mario you have to do this and the joke is of course mario tries to do this and gets absolutely the shit kicked out of him he, you know he mm. gets knocked around and we get a montage I've yep. done it over and over again until he almost does it and Peach eventually goes, you know what? Close enough. <laughs> like, <laughs> you've done quite well. I did it in my first go because I'm Peach. Uh, but... 
I, I will say that that you said montage. That montage was set to, ironically enough, holding out for a hero by Bonnie Tyler, which I brought up earlier as the song that I thought was overused. Yes. Yeah. So I thought I think that's also about the point where I was like, all right, maybe there could have been because this is, as you said, basically a level from Mario. Are yep. you telling me they couldn't worked in any like? new orchestral arrangement of a Mario theme for him to do a Mario level two. Yeah, yeah, I I, I would go. And it's not that I don't like the song for the record. I no, just think yeah. it's overused in, in movies and stuff at that point. I, I used to be on a break for a long time. It, it peaked with Shrek 2. And after that, <laughs> it's just been downhill. Uh I fondly remember it being used in the pilot for Lois and Clark, the new adventures of Superman myself, but That was before Shrek 2. Shrek was... 2 mastered it. I, I disagree. Uh, also, the Smash Mouth song was in Mystery Men before Shrek as well. Uh, also better than Shrek. Just uh, while we're on the subject. I mean, I'm not going to argue <laughs> that, but Shrek 2 was the pinnacle of filmmaking. Anyway, Mario. I want to launch you into the sun. That's fine. Um, so after, so you said this is about the part where you fell asleep then? With the well, a little bit after this. Like, this is, you know, I remember okay. this very vividly. And then I think I was starting to like lose it as like Bowser was singing or something around then, where I was starting to, like, I don't know if I can keep on here. The dulcet tones of Jack Black drifting you to sleep. It, 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 put, it put me in. <laughs> so, you know, I can't offer much of an opinion in the, the, the Kong stuff and how he's introduced. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll walk through it. So... Uh, there's, at one, I don't know where in the movie it was, but at a certain point, Luigi, as we said, he goes through all the spooky stuff. He's captured by a group of shy guys and brought to Bowser. And Bowser basically says, hey, uh, do you have a brother? Do you know this guy that Peach is cuddling up with? And he's, he basically tells him, like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know anybody in an identical suit except red with a mustache and a letter on the hat. And Bowser makes the point of, like, would you consider him to be a good boyfriend material? <laughs> Luigi says yes, and then he gets thrown into the dungeon. Did you? I mean, you must have seen at least some of the dungeon bits, right? With yeah. this little Luma, the little oh, star yeah. thing. Yeah, the, uh, the 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 depressed. Uh, I love him. Creature who seemed to just think death was coming. <laughs> yep. There's yes. there's a. It's in the game series. It's called a Luma. They don't actually name it here, but basically, this Luma's just like, oh yeah, we're all gonna die here. There's no way out. Very pessimistic, is all I'm going to yeah. say. Very pessimistic. No, no, I, I saw a lot of the, the this thing talking. Um, okay, I love that yeah. character. That was the best addition because in the in the games they come from, they're just all sunshine and happiness. Like they are as cute, they're as cute personality wise as they are as a character design. But to have one that's just completely nihilistic, I love it. Hmm. Yeah. All right. So tell me about the Kong introduction and all fight right. then. So they make their way on a quest. And there is a point where they stop briefly for the night and Peach gives her whole thing on her origin as they're in the fireflower fields. And apparently Peach has lived here for as long as she can remember. She showed up through the pipe one day. The Toads adopted her and at a certain point made her their princess to lead. And <laughs> There's an interesting bit of commentary here that in the 93 movie, someone from the other world came to Earth and they were mm -hmm. just basically made an orphan and no one cared about them and had a shitty life. But someone yeah. went through the pipe to this dimension from Earth and they were treated like a goddamn princess. Yeah. Toads are better than people. Absolutely. Hands down. Um, 
So at that point, we start to get a little hinting, a little inkling of are Mario and Peach going to have a thing, but they kind of kill it super quick. And then we make our way into the Kong army, which they arrive at the jungle, whatever. They knock on the door and there is an unnamed Kong. I didn't recognize him. He's just a guy. I think it might supposed to be like Funky Kong or something. But he's full-on Miami Vice. He tells them to hop on the back of his cart. <laughs> Take On Me by AHA starts playing as they do a whole thing where they're riding around Kong City uh, in this cart. And then they arrive at Cranky Kong's castle, who is the leader of the Kongs. And they come out and say like, Oh, Mr. Cranky Kong, can we please have your army to fight back Bowser? And Cranky says no. And then Mario basically threatens him and says like, Look, we're getting an army one way or another. And so he, Bold. yeah, Cranky tells him, look, I'll give you the army if you fight my son in 1v1 combat. And Peach is like, that is stupid. Don't do it. You're going to die. And Mario says there's basically no other choice. So he agrees to do it. And this was like a we, Smash Brothers level kind of layout, right? Pretty much. And it was, it's more based off the original Donkey Kong with the red girders mm. everywhere. But yeah, it's, I mean, that's been adapted into a Smash stage as well. So uh they go in this is seth rogan's introduction is donkey kong he is a showboat he shows off to the audience who just absolutely adores him and his father cranky kong doesn't like that and thinks that he's a bit of a disappointment to the kong name since he's he'd be next in line to basically take the throne uh but he's like no no matter what i'm still gonna beat mario so mario does the whole thing of like all right let's go let's get ready and Cranky, in order to level the playing field, has put a bunch of power-ups around the field so Mario wouldn't get immediately destroyed. So he charges in, fights Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong wipes the floor with him. No problem. He's already practically dead. And then he starts going for the power-ups. Um, this is where they're just showing off a bunch of them for no particular reason. They show off the mini mushroom, which shrinks down Mario to, like, barely an inch tall and he has to outrun from Donkey Kong. And they did make the point earlier in the obstacle course scene that anytime you get hit, you lose the power-up. Mm -hmm. So he gets hit, he goes back to normal size. He hits another power-up box, almost gets a fire flower from it, but then Donkey Kong extinguishes it, so he doesn't get that. And then he gets the cat suit. And the cat suit allows him to finally have the reflexes, and durability <laughs> to jump around Donkey Kong's punches. I feel like there's a really starts... mixed bit of messaging here for children about taking steroids and performance-enhancing drugs with these power-ups. Mario literally eats mushrooms, <laughs> which are themselves a drug. I mean, it's been a thing since 1985, Pete. Well, I've but never regardless... thought about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but regardless, he ends up managing to beat Donkey Kong, and they they get kong's army and they say all right yeah no we're all good donkey kong comes up to mario afterwards and says hey you know i let you win because i'm i'm still better than you so they've got this weird rivalry thing going on where they're still on the same side but they don't like each other uh and then they say all right bowser is literally a few hours away from attacking the mushroom kingdom so in order to get the whole kong army to the mushroom kingdom we have to take a shortcut and they all hop on their go-karts because that's just how Kongs do. Everything is on go-karts. 
and they take the shortcut, which is Rainbow Road. So, are you awake at this point? I am. I was. They were right. just getting set up to take off on the carts right. when I woke up. Uh, I was like, "Oh, we're at the, the Mario Kart bit." <laughs> yep. <laughs> and it is just the Mario. Like, it's the exact same display that is on the video game when you are selecting your cart. Three dials that you turn mm. to pick. It is straight out of the game. Yeah, and. It's most interesting though is that obviously when they get attacked by Bowser's forces from the sky and it's all these like bombardments and like mm-hmm. all these uh you know it becomes less like the game in that sense because it's more about okay we're dodging this big sort of huge enemy that's on the track as opposed to we're fighting each other with power ups and right things. but yeah. they still do have all the power ups yeah they still do a bit where they slide the you know the banana peels the sh- the and shell yeah and... yeah yeah so the, the the references are there but it does play out very different to. Mm-hmm. What like if it would be if it was just a race, you know? Yeah. Um. And Mario quite quite loses his cart. I actually, this is the thing where they give Peach kind of the best cart kind of, mm. I guess, showing because she, well, she hers actually transforms into the different forms that. So in the game, the newer ones anyway, you get like yeah. uh, okay, you hover get the bike mode. You get the basic one which is on the road, but then you, it transforms into a hover bike so you can fly, and then it transforms into like a you know a water ready vehicle yeah at a different mm-hmm. point and hers does that her bike uh and when she's riding around it's, it's very like tron or whatever with her bike so she's like you know, yeah. it's shifting and she's changing into the different forms and she ends up saving toad and you know almost saves mario but mario and donkey kong end up in the water which know. i i do want to discuss that sequence because it caught me off guard is that there is one koopa who's just really really determined to kill mario <laughs> Yeah. Well, and I don't know where this guy came from, but he has job security. There's also the wizard one who seems to be like most of Bowser's power. Is it this wizard Koopa keeps doing things for him? Yeah, so that's Kamek, and he's always just kind of been a thing of like, oh, hey, you remember this regular enemy you fought before? Well, I'm going to apply some magic, and now he's a boss enemy. Uh, and that's basically how he's always been in the games. Okay, okay. Uh... But yeah, Peach gets probably the best showing here in terms of like doing fancy stuff mm-hmm. with her vehicle. Yeah. Uh, because uh, that's the thing, as much as it is the Mario Kart section, other than Mario, Peach, and then you've got Donkey Kong and his dad, like, the mm-hmm. rest of the, the track is just other Kongs, you know, from yeah. the you know, from their kingdom. So it's not like you get the variety that you do in an actual Mario Kart session. Yeah. I mean, they do show in the audience during the Donkey Kong fight scene, they show Diddy Kong and Candy Kong and all, mm-hmm. like, the the tertiary kongs that we're familiar with but i don't think they come along for the rest yeah. of the movie but it's not like you, it's like you have luigi in his cart and then you have right you know pick your there is, nintendo characters there is one bit i wanted to bring up it was actually much earlier in this movie um i don't know if you would have been awake for it but there was a point where they make a flashback scene to baby mario and baby luigi were you awake for that i think so so there was a point where I think it was Luigi stuck in his cage, and he was like, "Oh, I I miss Mario." And they do a flashback to them as babies. Oh no, I no, I did see, I did see this. You're right. Yeah, I did see this. And Luigi's making like a sandcastle or something like that. Some prick of a kid comes up and kicks <laughs> it over, and then Mario just body slams the kid down into the dirt to protect his brother. And that's just this memory that Luigi has. 
And I personally, I kind of popped at that moment just because it's baby Mario and Luigi, which <laughs> I did. I never thought would make an appearance in this movie. And I'm like, there they are. And they're exactly as they're supposed to look. Incredible. The villains for the next movie have to be Wario and Waluigi, right? I, if it's what I think it is, no, but okay. I want it to be. Third movie, I want then. it Th to be that's... so bad. Okay, third movie. Yep. Wrap up the trilogy with Wario and Waluigi. Perfect. There you go. That's Bold of you to think Illumination's going to stop at three. <laughs> Very true. Uh, but yeah, so you've got basically Donkey Kong and Mario bond when they're inside the big fish. They get eaten by the big fish. Yeah, they go down into the water and there's a giant eel that is a character. It's made several appearances, but they basically go full on Jonah and the whale where they're just chilling in the stomach for a while. Yep. And then they decide, they basically bond over both having fathers who don't respect them and look down mm -hmm. on them and they kind of like oh we're kind of alike we've got some you know shared trauma we can maybe bond with that uh well this is all happening because we sort of cut back to them a few times well this is happening mm -hmm. bowser makes his move uh peach has mm -hmm. evacuated the city uh because bowser... the kong aren't they destroyed the road that yeah. the kongs were going to drive on so they weren't able to make it so basically doomsday is coming bowser shows up and he's Peach is very surprised when Bowser just says, will you marry me? <laughs> yeah. And uh, she says no. And Bowser... And it was almost like, you know what? Like, I feel like they're on the cusp here of maybe, like, using Bowser to talk about, like, problematic men facing rejection and, yeah. like, toxic masculinity or something. And it never really does anything with it, so I don't think it really does. But it was like... It, it occurred to me in the moment where I'm like, you could do something with this that he he goes like nuclear on like this this population because she says no. You could do I mean, something he, with that. He kind of does. Well, like, he does, but I'm saying that it doesn't like. I don't think it's no, making yeah. a point with it. I don't. I don't think that Peach is going to have a two minute monologue of calling Bowser out for being an incel. I don't think that's going to happen no, in this I, movie. But you, you you can get that point across without that though. But I I just I don't think the subtext was actually there. It's just like. They had an option. They could have like, oh, yeah. done something with it. And I don't think they did. No. But uh, he threatens to kill Toad or whatever. And she's like, mm -hmm. okay, fine, fine, fine. We'll, we'll, we'll get married. So that's it. That. So Mario and Donkey Kong's like rush to the castle is, is to kind of like stop the wedding and save everyone. Especially I, since... They're not even they're not even rushing for the wedding. They don't know about that. It's just because they know Bowser's coming. They have oh, true, no idea true. what they're walking into. Uh, and to be fair, Peach on her own actually does fight back a fair bit. You know, she's kind of in mm. the process of trying to like get out of it herself but we get this big sequence of kong and mario coming up to the castle and you know they're using power-ups and they're fighting through mm -hmm. things and whatnot yes yeah it's i think that if you take that first scene going through brooklyn it's a very side-to-side -side platformer mm -hmm. from the original mario games i think this was supposed to be the representative for all the new ones where it's 3d world and stuff like that where you go up and back and forward and yeah I think this is supposed to be basically that segment and it's very well done. I enjoy every minute of it, but it's still, it's one of those scenes where there's so much flying by you at every frame that it's almost overwhelming. Yeah. There's a bit too much going on at times, but yeah. So, so the one thing with um, peach during this scene is she specifically gets a bouquet from toad and it's hiding an ice flower inside of it. Yet another power up, I guess. But I love how when it gets to the procession, you expect it to be the whole thing of like they get most of the way through the ceremony. And then when it comes time for her to say, I do, 
she pulls it out or something like that. But instead, he I'm pretty sure the Kamek barely gets out dearly beloved before he's punched in the face. And they're just like, nah, screw it. We're just doing it now. Yeah. Uh, so the whole thing culminates here with uh, when Mario gets involved and he's fighting back Bowser and whatnot, is that mm -hmm. Bowser upset that he's not getting his wedding uh, unleashes the, the, big the big bomb. Yes. Before that, though... Um, as a wedding gift to Peach, he's sacrificing all of his prisoners. That's right. He's, he's, going to, he's going to kill everyone, yes. Which yeah, obviously she's so, horrified by. Yeah, but that includes Luigi, so he's getting dipped down into lava. And then at the last second, Mario swoops in and saves him. Well, yeah, because he's got the power... Because uh, just at the end of the previous segment, you get a power-up, uh, the the flying suit. The, the Tanuki suit yeah, is that. what it is. <laughs> I would never have known the name of that. So Raccoon yes. suit, if you want to call it that. Yes. It's whatever. But yes, he, he swoops down and saves Luigi, and they're, they, they effectively are winning, and they're going to save the day. Mm -hmm. But when Bowser unleashes the big bomb, right, uh, Mario uses the suit and tries to redirect it, but it ends up going through the pipe, and effectively rips a barrier in space-time. Oh, so he that... just does the Avengers thing. <laughs> he just does Iron Man. That's all it is. Yeah, but the Mushroom Kingdom starts to bleed into Brooklyn, Mm -hmm. Much like the 93 movie does at one point. And Bowser's castle comes in, his big mountain with the lava and all that. And we get the final showdown in Brooklyn, where Brooklyn are going to see Mario and Luigi save the day, which obviously, it kind of builds up to it where Mario's running away, he's down in his luck, and it's actually seeing his own commercial play on the TV screen when he's like hiding at one point that mm -hmm. kind of like inspires him to like get involved. So from that moment to the yes. end... I was, it was like, yeah, no, do whatever you want now. You've got me. I'm hooked. <laughs> and Luigi, of course, makes the big decision to like save Mario by holding up the manhole mm. or whatever it is to like shield the, the Bowser flame. Yep. And that protects him. And they, and they, they both get, go after the star. They get the star. So they, they both get super just from the star. And the music that plays in the game when you get the star, which was funny because I grew up with Sonic. Like, I know that is like getting the stars in Sonic. So oh, okay. So it's the very it's the exact same thing. It's the same mechanic where yeah. you get the stars. It's like dun, 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 and you're invincible dun, for dun, dun, you know thirty seconds. Yep. Right. Same thing here, but with the Mario music, and mm -hmm. they beat the shit out of Bowser, and they win, and they get that like end the superhero movie thing where the crowd are like, "No, they saved us. They are the Super Mario Brothers," and yeah. <laughs> you know, they all start clapping. The couple that hired them at the start of the movie are there. The dog's there, and he gives Luigi like a. A, a nod like respect yep. you did it congratulations yeah so like the, yeah the, the plot is just pretty much just the, the bare minimum it's a straightforward yeah. and that's about it um i will say at the end of the movie the movie ends with them seemingly now just living in the mushroom kingdom yeah, yeah, because they, they, they wake Brooklyn. up and you think they're back home, but they open the door and they're actually in the Mushroom Kingdom. So there's a plumbing yep. in the Mushroom Kingdom. I guess. I mean, it's got a lot of pipes. I think it's straight up their alley. Um, oh, yeah, because fixing I, a warp pipe's the same as fixing a water pipe. I, all right. <laughs> oh, yeah. They'll figure it out. Um, there's a mid credit scene involving Bowser singing some more. Again, yeah. fantastic. I, I saw that one. I assumed there would be maybe something. Um yes. After and then that, there is I, a, uh, I dipped away, though. You dipped away. All right, so there is a post-post-credit scene, which but is... I have heard this described, though, this, this, this post-credit sequence. I've heard it described as the exact same as the final scene from the 1998 Godzilla. Yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's exactly that. There's it's an just... Egg, there's in, an egg hatching. Instead of, instead of Godzilla, you hear the word Yoshi. 
Yes. And that's it. So they saved Yoshi. So what do you think the second movie is going to be, plot-wise? Okay. So during the part where they're in the fire flower fields and Peach is saying like, oh, hey, I might have grown up on your planet or your world or whatever. Um, she specifically makes a point of the line of, it's a big universe out there and there's a lot of galaxies. And ah. one of the games that came out recently is Super Mario Galaxy. I, I say recently, it's like, 15 years it, it was now. it was a wii game it came out in like 2006 but yeah go on. yeah so based off of that based off the fact that the luma is one of the things there and there is just this general feeling of how can you go bigger i think they're taking it to space i think we're doing super mario galaxy okay that makes sense that makes sense uh i still think the the wario and waluigi make sense for a movie down yep. the road as villains the rival if, brothers. If Wario shows up, I'll, I can fully expect that to happen. If Waluigi, who still has yet to make an appearance in any mainline Mario game, shows up in a movie, I will lose my mind. They should. They should. Like, he's my go-to in Mario Kart. I love him. He's fantastic. Just because he is... It's that same sort of thing that you have with Luigi, of being the guy who gets sure. no attention. That's my thing with Waluigi. Sure, sure. Wal Waluigi makes me think of because he looks similar to the mustache and the kind of the build mm -hmm. he reminds me of dick dastardly from uh yeah. wacky races slash you know the motley show so I, I think if you were to have a real life live action dick dastardly it would be the same actor playing waluigi yeah it's still animated though we're not oh yeah version sure. live action <laughs> but yes <laughs> the same act whoever gets played one could play the other one yes I, I i concur with that thought yeah um so, I think the the movie, like, you know, I got to the end, and I didn't mm -hmm. feel bad that I missed, like, 15 minutes or whatever. I, I just kind of felt like, uh, I can kind of fill in the blanks. I'm not really that yeah. fussed. It, it's a collection of references. It's kind of this orchestrated thing to send people home happy who care about Mario. I don't think it really works just as a movie on its own. I think it will satisfy a lot of people because it is... I think kids in general like it because it's colourful and there's a lot of stuff happening and mm -hmm. it'll keep their attention because of that. I think Mario fans will get a lot of the references, so it works on that front. Uh, but I think it fails to just be a good movie on its own right that would work for, you know, other people, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that if we were to wake up tomorrow and every Mario game and all of public awareness of Mario was wiped from the earth and the only thing that was left was this movie, I don't think it would be nearly as entertaining of a movie. I think it's only because of this cultural paradigm that Mario is that it's able to capitalize just by sheer force of reference. But that being said, I did still have... I can't, I can't do this objectively. I can't look yeah. at this separated from the references because the references are at least 55% of it. So looking at it from what I was given, I think that they knew what kind of movie they wanted to make going into it. They made exactly that movie and they are happy with the results. Whether it has this deeper backbone to it, this larger story that relates to people who are not in the know with all the Mario references... I don't think it matters. I think that it's that's not the point to it. That for every movie that needs to have that, or not even needs to, should have that deeper backbone to it, there does need to be just stupid little 
hey, let's just have fun here. Let's just celebrate this culture to it. And I think this is what it more so is, is the celebrating of this culture of Mario. I think it goes back to what I said early on, is that I think you can have that, but still have reasonable rating standards with anything. Nothing has to... You know, do, uh, but I also I also don't think that the writing is subpar either. I think it's just bland and exactly what it's to be expected. Yeah, no, it's bland. I think bland's a good word. I think it's very safe. I think it's a very mm-hmm. safe movie, which is the polar opposite of the 1993 movie. Which, yeah. You know, if nothing else, I think that movie is more interesting to me to watch. I, it's, it's more of a fascinating Check out experience. next week when yeah. that gets all dumped. Yeah, Ch- check out next, next week's episode for more on that. But I think this is this movie is exactly what I thought it was going to be, which mm. is this safe movie that relies solely on referencing its its source material to make people happy. But it's this weird thing that because Mario didn't really have a story, referencing its source material is just that. It's just referencing things from it. Yeah. Rather than, you know, whereas normally when you're adapting a story, you're adapting the story. So all the referencing kind of comes natural as you're going through and right. doing the plot beats and stuff. Uh, here it's not that like here it's like how do we make the the power-ups work in the context of a movie how do we make Mm -hmm. this element from the game work in the context of a movie and everything just kind of fits together so they can have everything there and it does relatively stick together but it sticks together in a kind of a a way that's not very engaging to me as a story so i i would say that it's very mid it it functions but it's also just kind of this I don't know, product at the end of the day. I just, I I can't really feel it's any more than that. I mean, I agree with you on every front. The only difference being is that I'm the person who wanted that. I'm the, I'm the kind of guy who I see all those things that you're saying. And yes, I would like there to be a more engaging story. I'd like the pacing to be a bit better, but at the end of the day, I knew exactly what I was getting out of this movie and I wasn't disappointed. Yeah. I suppose, I suppose, again, go back to that Resident Evil movie, is I still rated that lowly. I still, mm. as much as I kind of got a kick out of some of the things it was doing, I still recognized that it's poor quality and still rated it appropriately. Um, and, I, 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 you know, I, if anything, I hold the things I like to a higher standard because I don't want to let my nostalgia goggles or, you know, my mm. love of, like, their source material to to sugarcoat something that isn't actually that good if anything right. i'm too harsh on things that i like uh yeah but that that's way. entirely reasonable yeah i mean i think i think there's nothing that i'm harsher on nowadays more than like comic book movies because yeah. yeah i am so ingratiated in that culture and plus we've had so many of them that at a certain point they have to be better to be worth your time because right. now there's so like it was easy to go well you know this first x-men movie is only okay but there's not a lot of things to pick from it's the best we right. kind of got uh yeah. fast forward to today we're like you know i don't have to sit through 20 mcu movies just because yeah it's fine uh so yeah but yeah i'm so yeah with all that said i guess we're at the the ratings of the of the movie what are you giving it oh god um so like I said, I mean all of the all of the issues I've had with the pacing and stuff like that, yes, they are problems. Yes, for anybody who's not a Mario fan and is just doing this as cinema, as film, it is going to be a major thing that's not going to allow you to view this movie as good. But 
I think that as a Mario fan, it's just exactly what I've wanted. It's it's thrown in everything in the kitchen sink to the point where it, probably a little bit to its detriment. But I'm I just had so much fun with it the whole time. You're t you're talking about the type of person who's going to sit there and go like, oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. I'm pretty sure my girlfriend's never going to see another movie with me again because I was doing that. I was turning to her saying, hey, hey, that thing, that thing right there. I loved it. So overall, I'm actually going to rate this one pretty highly, all things considered, give it a 6.5. Do you think it'll work for you just as well the second time? I think that if I am going into it, see, that's the thing. If, when we say second time, how much time has passed? Because oh, if man. it's given me, if I'm going in with everything as fresh as it is right now, yeah, I, it probably would be a little bit less for me because I already remember everything. But this movie is so stuffed with those little Easter eggs. I think it's one of those movies that I could find something different on at least the first five or six rewatches that I missed the first time. Okay, that was their plan. Just pack it so densely that people have to watch it eight times before they start stop finding more Easter eggs. Yep. It's uh, all the YouTubers who are like, here are the 5,500 Easter eggs in Mario... <laughs> movie yeah i mean yeah fundamentally this movie was never made for me but that doesn't necessarily mean to say that it couldn't have won me over like this movie mm. could have satisfied its fan base and still work for someone like me who doesn't necessarily care about mario it could have still won me over it could give me a character that i, I would grow attached to that i'd root for in the end and that you it, didn't fall asleep in the middle of that I, you know didn't just fall asleep in the middle because i was so bored uh <laughs> so i think with that said i have to you know i think it's very functional it's very safe and because of that it just you know i think a five is where i'm i'm, I'm landing okay. here it's just it's, it's right. mid it's 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 very functional it you know it looks pretty enough but i don't think i think the story is bare bones and it relies too much on just being a bunch of references without those references driving the story in a way that get you know that enhances what's going on they're just kind of there right mm -hmm. um yeah so yeah so there we go that's that that is the the thoughts on mario that's that's rating number one that is true and then how we're are we going to square this circle <laughs> uh so yeah does it make the cut and we have to agree on this i mean what's so sad about this is that this has broken the curse of video game movies only in the financial sense to me mm -hmm. and that clearly it's making a shit ton of money so it's like a legitimate contender it's, you know they're going to make yeah. sequels and they're going to be a big deal but for me it's not broken the quality curse of video game movies i still don't think this is in fairness it wasn't the curse of video game movies always like live action as well well of making the live actions video game movies i feel like there have been a couple animated successes Go on then, name me one. I can't think of any, but I feel <laughs> like there have been. How, like I know there was like a Street Fighter Two animated movie in like the nineties or something like that, but I, I don't. Yeah, maybe I'm maybe I'm more so thinking of like animation of uh, Pokemon. They got an animated movie a long time ago. Pokemon's had like fifty movies, okay, well, and the first like three were fantastic. Yeah, but I guess my question is though: Were either of those did they get like a wide release in US theaters? I don't think they did. Yes, the first two. Well, I meant also Street Fighter, but sure, okay, fine. Oh, yeah. The first Pokemon movie got a wide release, yeah. yeah. Um, fair point, but I All mean... Right. Anyway, back to this. 
I mean, I gotta, I, I really want to put out makes the cut. Does it shit? <laughs> I want to put it out there. Uh, how, where, how about, where are you coming down? How about no, you crazy Dutch bastard? Okay, so we meet in the middle on cutting it close. <laughs> no, because cutting it close is still on the positive. I don't know if I, I agree with We've that. We've already established that cutting it close is the up to the viewer level, that it's not on <laughs> either side. We had this discussion. Oh, okay, fine. If you want cutting it close, I'll give you cutting it close, but it ain't getting any higher than that. Thank you. I will take it. Ah, oh, dear. So join us next week for a review of a superior Mario Brothers <laughs> movie. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, some strong words. <laughs> hey, I will remember more of that movie than I will of this. This this movie is escaping my brain as we talk about it. Yeah, I will admit that was an issue I was coming up across because I, I watched this two days before we filmed instead yeah. of the usual one day before. And I was I was really debating on just writing down everything I could remember. But I did remember all the major beats at the very least. Yes. Um so yeah. that being said it really in terms of memory it really helped that there was only 80 minutes of actual movie <laughs> to remember that does help a little bit uh mm. i actually thought we'd have a shorter review because of that but somehow we we, we had like 45 minutes before we've made any spoilers so longer than the movie yeah but we've done that with way longer movies though <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> so yes uh let us know what you thought of the super mario brothers movie in the comments like subscribe all the usual stuff uh you can support all the content and get bonus content by going over to patreon.com slash tv uh every month we do a bonus episode the bonus episode for for this month was uh street fighter the legend of chun li is an extra video game movie mm. so you can uh see what we thought of that classic uh <laughs> on, on patreon at the three dollar tier and at the five dollar tier every month we have a show called the collector's cut extra reels where we do a so bad it's good movie Usually something very obscure. We try and pick things that are relatively easy to access online somewhere mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh, but uh, yeah, last thing we did was Dangerous Men uh, was was last month. And then coming up later this month, we got Gone with the Pope. And if those sound like interesting titles, then... You're wrong. Yeah, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we had an entertaining time. That's fine, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so check out those and obviously there's bonus content for the other movie shows but yeah that is everything you can get if you want to support the show and keep it coming so please do support in any way you can or you can support us on youtube of course uh for free by liking subscribing and all the usual stuff and sharing it out or of course you can hit the super thanks button as well if you want to uh but all that stuff does help a lot so uh yeah uh, that about does it um but that is the show that is the collector's cut so thank you once again for watching or listening we always appreciate it keep watching movies and uh oh i got nothing for this uh uh <laughs> what's something anything mario would say anything at all wahoo